Still feelings of work. This is the show called Fields of Work. It's time to put on your listening pants because it's time for Fields of Work. You could have rhymed with plants. You had it. You were so close. You could have said anything about plants because I'm a (laughs) farmer. It's fine. Swing, swing and a miss. No, that was it. I wanted to change up the um, tempo of our intro yeah. jingle because I feel like usually I'm kind of upbeat and a little, mm-hmm. little, just a little silly with it. I just wanted to bring it down, make it serious. You know, get yeah. a little sensual with it. Oh, so that's and that's the vibe you want for tonight's episode. <laughs> yeah, is sensual. All right, cool. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Fields of Work. I'm Sam. I'm the oldest brother. The consultant. Uh, I'm Max. I'm the youngest brother, and I guess the farmer or change of the edger every time. <laughs> We're still testing it out. They're still testing it out. Mm-hmm. Um, if yeah, people respond if you liked that intro song, if you want Sam to continue that type of slow, freeform jazz of uh, yeah. intro, um, we'll or we'll try some other stuff. Who knows? Maybe techno in the future. I might have Let's a see. wide range. Who knows? I guess uh, wherever the spirit takes me in the in the moment we hit record is uh, is what I do. Max, or, I see or, here. Oh, 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 go ahead. Yes. Oh, it's just like even better if somebody out there has musical talent or an idea, just, just mm-hmm. a basic idea of what we should do as our intro. Feel free to let us know. We're, yeah, sure. we're not beholden to any specific idea. You know? Sure. Max, I see here so, in our notes that you gave yourself food poisoning. Um, how did well, you accomplish that? So I I realized it was edited out of the last episode. So yeah, I think the that was listeners the don't know this, but. It was, um, which is for the best. But I was basically mentioning at the start of last episode that I had a dinner that I thought maybe it, one of those dinners that could go south. For you my expressed company. some skepticism, some concern about what you had just put into your body. I did. I know. And I was fine through the whole episode, which was great. And I Thank was like, all right, that. I got past it. This is good. Um, so I went up to the loft and went to bed. And around midnight, I just woke up and like, in a sweat and not feeling well at all and just feeling like I realized I hadn't been sleeping well and I was like oh no I, I haven't felt like this in a very long time um and then proceeded to have the worst 12 hours of my not I mean the whole 12 hours weren't bad but oh terrible about four hours that then I just felt wiped out for the next day or Were two you, uh, was, it, um, was it puke time yeah it was I haven't done huh. that forever it was wow. a lot it was a lot of stuff happening and I felt terrible it's just one of those things where you just feel so like you're just like sitting with your head and your hands just feeling so awful yeah. and knowing that there's going to be more waves of, of nausea to come and not being able. I didn't eat anything almost for an entire day because I was like the thought of food was terrible. Um, and I really couldn't think of it. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't it hit so much harder than just like a stomach bug that I was like, oh, I I think I done food food poisoned myself because I haven't gone anywhere. I've been right. quarantining or not, not intentionally, but just on the farm here and maybe, made myself uh, that dinner that maybe I did a cow got you that. sick. Maybe, maybe I don't remember doing much with the cow that could have got me sick. I mean, but. if I remember correctly, weren't you birthing to- uh, birthing cows the other day? I was. I was just there witnessing. Oh. I bared witness. <laughs> There's like, you know, viscera and whatnot in birthing. Is what I've been told. Yeah. So again, I was standing pretty far away from this cow outside day. of the splash zone. <laughs> outside the splash zone. Well, we'll get more into the cow stuff uh, a little bit later. Um, but there's some some sad news incoming on the cow front. Well, oh, you already well, know this. Out, yeah, we gotta we gotta we gotta hold off. We haven't even checked in yet, and you're hitting me with sad cow news. I know, but anyways, I'm feeling better now. I just <laughs> want to let you know that I made myself like a real dinner tonight. I cooked dinner, nothing from a box. Yeah, what'd you have? What'd you make? 
Uh, I did pasta again, but this hey, time I made, I made pasta tonight. Oh, Tell wow. me about how you made your pasta. A couple of Italians. Um, I made a parsley pesto, mm. and then tossed that in with some delicious. Yeah, with with some pasta, and then I actually threw in some cooked chickpeas as well into the pasta. It was good. Nice. I went with a. Uh, I, I sautéed some chopped onion. And I threw some burger in there, some really, um, really lean burger, like so lean that it didn't even like drain off the fat after I cooked it in there with the onions. Then I poured uh, a uh, tomato basil uh, sauce into that that uh, hamburger and onion combination. Then I separately in, a, in its own pot, I cooked up some far- farfel, farfali. And I, I like to say that the first time. I like farfel, farfel. <laughs> yeah, you know. And uh, you know, then you put those two things together. Mm. And then once it's in the bowl, I like to put a bunch of red pepper flakes on it. And this is a new a new thing for me. I've learned that sour cream goes on basically everything. And mm-hmm. if you put sour cream on top of pasta, you just get a creamier sauce. And that's what I did. And it was great. And I had a salad. Sounds great. Yeah. All right. Check in. Max, what is something that you were really into as a kid? Like a lot. I feel like I've got two that stand out to me. Okay. Uh, one was just wow, there's like three really. I was like, I was very, very into Hot Wheels. Um, I mean, we were, you know, a house of five young boys. Obviously, we yeah, were going to acquire. Some you were lousy with Hot Wheels, but I was loud, and I think I wasn't. I mean, I inherited quite a few, I'm sure, from family. But it was it was the thing for me for a long time to have Hot Wheels, and to to this day, we still have that giant tote of Hot Wheels. Yep. Um, our our nephew plays with them now. Um, and then there was also a ton of stuffed animals. Yep. I think for a while there, there was, I think my collection was around 60 stuffed animals. Um, I would say 50% lived on the bed. Mm-hmm. Um, the rest were kind of scattered about, um, tucked every which way. I kind of, I kind of nested every night in, uh, a, a womb of stuffed animals. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, pretty gross. And we've already, we've already talked about birthing and wombs t- twice mm-hmm. in like five minutes. You wanted it to be sensual. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, uh, then the other one would be that, uh, for those in our family know, uh, I dug a big hole in our backyard, um, way back under some pine trees on our piece of property because I was really into rocks and I really wanted to, I don't know what I thought I was going to find. Um, I would just dig at this hole. I'd collect all the rocks. I'd go and wash them off. And then I had a rock hammer. I'd split some of them open. Um, you didn't want any of those lousy surface rocks. You wanted those underground rocks. Everyone knows that yeah, the, the better <laughs> rocks are deep down. Um, and so, but I will say like actually from that, um, I from did that, find you decided that you liked playing Minecraft. <laughs> I did like Minecraft, but this was Mo. I discovered uh, some some fossils. Like I had a couple rocks that had um, like ocean, like you know, seafloor type of fossils on them, um, which was really cool. That's um, cool. Those are probably the most the most neat things I found. Other than that, it was a lot of basalt. It's a lot of basalt in Michigan. It's just a pretty boring looking rock. <laughs> Take your but, word for it. What about you? What were your What were you like really into? I was really into hockey cards and data entry. Uh, I loved, <laughs> loved taking my hockey cards and typing in the various stats into spreadsheets 
really, I just liked having all the metadata from my cards into a spreadsheet that I could then just like look at. Um, So I would spend hours kind of going through my collection and figuring out which ones I had, which ones I didn't had, arranging them in various ways. Mom knows that I really liked to uh, ask her from time to time if she wanted to help me rearrange my hockey cards, which I could never understand why she maybe was not into that. It always seemed like a lot of fun to Mm. me, but I I loved it. Wow, this... I mean, you, this explains so much about you. It's just good to know that you've been into collecting data for, like, your entire – you know, because oh, I yeah. think we will we'll hit on this a lot. But you're a man that likes to collect, you know, analytics and data and things about yourself. And you used to – I mean, I don't know if you yeah. still do, but collect do. a lot of them in spreadsheets. Um, and maybe sometimes draw conclusions. Maybe 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 not other times. Yeah. Um, but apparently that began at a very, very young age. Did you – important question then. Did you have a favorite a favorite card? I don't think I had a like a single favorite card. Like all my Red Wings cards were very, you know, important yeah. to me. Uh, that was my my important collection. I don't actually remember what happened to all my cards. I think I sold some. Um, there, I bet you there might be some kind of at home somewhere. But uh, I'm paid just sitting for here. <laughs> Not true. I wish. <laughs> Although apparently, like I think, like card. I, I keep catching snippets of headlines about how like trading cards are like a big deal right now and how they're. There's like a very uh, robust market for buying and selling them. I feel like I kind of missed out on that. Yeah. Uh, your answer involved putting your hands in dirt, and my answer involved sitting in front of a computer. So I think this kind of explains wh- where we landed in life. It's, <laughs> it started way back. Yep. Um, All right. You feel checked in? I feel checked in. All right. Let's do our first commercial break. <laughs> We're not doing these fake ads. <laughs> I can't. I don't have... Uh, <laughs> It felt natural, though. It felt like it's worth it. did. Didn't that feel know. good? That felt that good. Felt, I think all the sponsors out there that are listening, like, you know, should we should we sponsor these guys can see how naturally that we flow right into an yeah, ad break. You know, you know, like, you ever seen those billboards that say, like, your ad here, or, like, caught you mm-hmm. looking, it worked. Yeah. Like, we just did that right now. The audio <laughs> it's even better that, that we're, it's, yeah, it's even better that we're acknowledging it and bringing a lot of yeah. attention to yep. it. All um, right. Maxwell? It's it. Last way. week. We reset the we reset the show. We told our origin stories. Um, you know, if our if they're basically our respective Marvel movies about where mm-hmm. we came from as as um, the heroes that we are today. I feel like we all we learned a lot about each other um, today. I think we dig into a little bit more about what it is that you are actually doing uh, right now and what this opportunity is like because it's different from what you were doing before. Figured we could dive deep on that. And then if we have any time left over, we can talk about how I have been doing work in virtual reality today and this week. That's a good teaser because that sounds fun. Yeah. All right. Cool. So, Max, tell us, what is it that you are doing? You've just alluded to the fact that you saw a cow get birthed uh, and that there was sad cow news. So are are you at a birthing farm for cows? I am. This is we've been really hiding it and really kind of burying the lead for a long time. Is that I took a huge, I took a, not a huge career change, but you know, I'm now I'm now on on the cows. You're um, a cow midwife. Yep. I, I decided enough vegetables. They're boring. You know, they didn't give birth to a way that I could really see at least. <laughs> that's and that's what. Uh, but no. Um, I feel like I want to like I'm going to step back just a little bit farther to because I don't think I really talked about how I got this job or what the process was for getting the job. No. Um, it's short because <laughs> it was a very quick process. Um, and I mean, it's a process that I essentially 
go through every two years because you know I've, I've been switching farms so often. Um, but this winter, I had kind of determined that I was looking for something more permanent. Essentially, um, I had I felt like kind more of more permanent my time. within farming or like outside yes. of farming. Okay, well, just like. Uh, you're not just being at a farm for a while. And what that really just correlates with is I felt like I had kind of done my time as um, like a farm crew member. Um, I had been, you know, for the past four or five seasons, that's kind of what I've been doing at various farms. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's where I right. acquired essentially all the knowledge that I currently have about farming. It's where, you know, I met a bunch of amazing people. I, I still got paid well. Like I still got to, to live doing what I wanted to do. But I felt like you basically – you can't do that for so long without starting to have ideas and feeling like you're annoying if you're trying to tell the farm manager who's at a farm what you're thinking about. You know, mm-hmm. there's always a lot of just eventually if you get too many experienced farmers around each other, people start kind of stepping on each other's toes um, just inadvertently. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm sure that's true for many an occupation. Um, so, anyways, I was looking for management to some level. Um, assistant farm manager is a title that came up a lot. That's kind of what I was looking at. That basically just means if you're an assistant farm manager, you're not like the the one making all the final calls, but you are in charge of various aspects of the farm. Um, it's pretty much what you could have called me when I was back at Groundswell in Grand Rapids. I called myself the field manager, but it was essentially an assistant farm manager. Um, so I'm just sitting there looking at the essentially one job site that exists for um, farm farm jobs around the U.S., uh, there's a couple other like really – I mean just it's just the way that farmers are is that not many of them want to sit and figure out like where to look for hiring people. They always ask people around first. You know, you mm-hmm. ask other farmers, friends. Maybe you go to Facebook. Maybe you go to Instagram. Um, there's an email chain list like that or like you know subscriber list I'm a part of that's really East Coast based. So I was kind of just like picking through wherever I could hear about stuff and, and see things and then always checking this one website called Good Food Jobs hoping for something to come up. Um, and it just happened to come up that this farm was looking for what I think they just called like the head farmer position. And um, I read about it. And it said, you know, market garden farm, still very new, um, you know, looking for somebody that's wants to join and kind of work with the owners who are new to farming and kind of get this farm, continue what they started, but keep going um, and hopefully be here, you know, for a little while. They're looking for somebody to kind of invest their time uh, and energy to keep building the farm. And so I was like, oh, you know, I've applied to probably four or five jobs at this point across the U.S. Um, in the winter and emailed them on a Sunday morning at like 10 a.m. and got a response in two hours that said, hey, can you call, can you talk tonight on the what phone? Did you, what did you say in that email? I think they, I mean, it really wasn't, I think I sent, of course, I sent along like my resume or whatever and then. You um, a shirtless photo of yourself? Yeah, I did. I mean, I should find the original email because I can't remember if they asked for um, like, you know. Shirtless photos? She, I think you, no, no, mm-hmm. that's not necessarily what I, I was this thinking. was like an Instagram farm. Um, they have a nice Instagram, and it's do they a very do they bring in they bring in external models for 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 uh, shirtless um, photos of 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 nice looking men in the fields? You said I made it weird, and I was making it weird by saying <laughs> things like "boom." And you're really pushing this narrative. This this they hired me because I was shirtless in a picture narrative. Yeah. Well, you're um, a good looking man. Not true. Not to Thanks. sidetrack us even more. I'm on goodfoodjobs.com, and I see a job yeah. for experienced cheesemonger. 
And uh, those are common. Those are yeah. really common. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking about what my career job. shift is, it might be. I mean, if you ever get bored and want to know, like, what are some of the interesting, like, because this this job posting website is not just farmers. It's beekeeper. Whole, like, oh yeah. man, I want to be a I mean, beekeeper. You could spend a lot of time on that website just learning about some really interesting, some really bizarre positions. Um, basically, I just found the first uh, email I sent them, and it was just kind of like expressing my interest and kind of said a little bit of my experience and, you know, like how I wanted to work more on market garden style farms, which is what they're doing here. Um, so, anyways, they, they got back to me incredibly quick. Um, we talked that night for about an hour and a half just uh, You've tried about. on the phone. Just. This is how a lot of phone interviews for farmers goes is you just start talking about like – especially they're so – they have so many good ideas and they're so excited and they have this piece of property that's amazing. It's really easy to just like pick up on that energy and we were just like shooting ideas back and forth on like what you could do at the farm, what you know, what you could do here about mm-hmm. these type of events or you know, what if we really got into this type of thing. You know, um, That kind of stuff always happens. I, mean, we, I talked a lot about my farming you know, past and then it's – you know. It's just like the Southern hospitality thing translates straight to a phone call. Like we got into <laughs> growing up with four older brothers, what that was like. And um, you talk about it me? was a great phone call. I'm sure I've talked about you. Um, you talk about this podcast. And actually, not in the first phone call. But they, they they're aware. Wait, of it now. what? You embarrassed? No, it did become. <laughs> I was you know what? I was too busy thinking about trying to get a job and not plugging my <laughs> below average podcast. Oh, speak for yourself. Uh, okay, mon frere. <laughs> But um, so anyways, we had a good we had a good phone call, and then we scheduled like a that was just supposed to be like kind of like just Get touching base and kind of getting an idea if this was yeah. you know we should go forward on this. Um, we did a second FaceTime interview, um, like the mid- middle of that week, like on this a Wednesday. This is when they saw you without a shirt on. What? The FaceTime interview. That's like that's when they first the first time they saw you without a shirt. I'm gonna have to start doing this podcast by myself. <laughs> it's gonna be tough, but I'll do it. <laughs> All right, I'm so, I'll be good. I'm sorry. Um, and then. I I basically it, – it's important to me to see – so I was really excited still. We, everything was going great and it's important to me to really – to see the space that you're going to be farming because it's it, – words only do so much when trying to describe a, a farm. you know. And you're – it's going to sound silly but like you do want to see what the soil is like. You do want to see what the surrounding area is like, especially if you're going to be living there. You want to see – you know, meet each other in person and see. you know. It's just it, – there was a lot that I was like I can't – do this just based on the phone calls like i really want to go down there and see it and luckily for me our grandparents live pretty close like two hours away from here um not two hours away from michigan two hours away from here in tennessee um so i mean like again within a week of that first phone call i drove down on a thursday and stayed here for a long weekend on the property um to meet them walk around kind of just talk about ideas and then um, did you reach that, down? Hold on. Did you at one point reach down and like grab a, a handful of soil and kind of like let it roll, go through your fingers, and then you like kind of mutter yourself like, "Good, good soil, good soil." I just yeah, I just did had you good do that tilth. at all. Good tilth. Yeah. Um, tilth. Yeah, that's a, that's a new word for you. That's tilth. T i l t h. Yep. What? It's all about like the 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 quality of soil and yeah, like the tilth cultivation of land tillage. The condition of tilled soil, especially in respect to suitability for sowing seeds. Wow, that is precisely the word. Yes. <laughs> um, so I. So the tilth was good. Good tilth um, and and beautiful property. Uh, so basically, for context, for what the farm itself is like, the whole piece of property, um, they basically they have sixty acres. They 
are in the process of building a permanent home on the site um, for, for their family. Uh, they currently live in Nashville, and they are trying to, you know, get their family more out onto the farm, more out into the country. We are only 30 minutes from the city, but it's a pretty drastic change um, in just 30 minutes. And on the property, they have a lot going on. There's a beautifully restored barn that is going to be used um, for a couple weddings this spring, kind of getting into it as an event space. They've hosted some stuff there in the previous years. Um, so that's one thing that's going on. There's the tiny house that I'm in here um, and the five-acre property. Um, which is set aside for market gardening for vegetables. And then they have a herd of about 10 cattle that they're starting um, to build up to do grass-fed beef. Um, they're kind of uh, – Jody is kind of – I don't know if I should name drop or not, but they're starting to, to play around with um, breeds and stuff to get a really good um, grass-fed cattle that they can raise down here in Tennessee um, because they're, they're also interested in – that supply chain and the idea of raising, uh, you know, healthy and sustainable cattle and meat in general. Um, so there's like a lot of stuff going on around the farm. Um, so, which was exciting when I, when I came down to see it for the first time, it's cool to be kind of partly involved in the other things, but my main attention is the five acre farm. Um, but anyways, for that visit, Isn't five acres, like a lot for one person. It is, but I, it, it's, that is like the potential that's like, the parcel um, itself. Once you take away where the house sits, where the shed is, some other stuff, I think actually tillable land right here by the tiny house is probably closer to like two acres. Um, but that's like if everything was under production. It's not currently. Um, and I'll go into this more. It's actually the perfect size almost for one person, a little bit too much because it's about a half acre under production currently. Okay. Um, so the rule of thumb for market gardening is three people to an acre. Um, I mean, that's not like a, a hard rule, but it's just a, a kind of like, you know, a loose rule that they use a for, for, to keep in mind. Yeah. Um, so, so it's, it's nothing too insane for, and I, and I do have help as well. I'm not always by myself. Um, so I took the job. I, we agreed to it before I left. We had a meeting, um, went home. That was like in mid January and moved down February 1st. Um, so that's all the, that's a lot of <laughs> pre stuff just to say like, how did I end up here in Kingston Springs, Tennessee, uh, at this farm and, um, for actual work and, you know, what I've been doing, um, this kind of brought me back to what I did at Groundswell, but it's basically, I realized that like this, I'm already kind of behind the eight ball a little bit for crop planning, which is, and we've gone into this before in the past, the detail of like. What, what are you planting? Where are you planting it? When are you planting it? Um, is it directly being direct seeded, which means I'm putting it into the soil out in the farm? Or am I transplanting it, which means I started the little seedling itself in a greenhouse, and then I transplanted the bigger plant outside? Do you have a greenhouse? I, not a formal greenhouse. So I have two uh, 16 by 48 uh, hoop houses Um actually called cat tunnels or caterpillar tunnels. Um, so they're not, they don't have any auxiliary heat. They are just totally solar passive. Um, so that has actually been one of the things that has kept me a little bit from starting seeds as soon as I would have liked, because last week we had the winter weather, so I couldn't start any seeds in there. It was getting down to 10 degrees inside the hoop house because during the day it wasn't getting sunny. And so, you know, if it was sunny and then getting down really cold at night, 
there would be heat held inside, but there was just no way for it even to build up heat um, inside. So I had to put off seed starting until this Monday. Um, oh, but so you have started do, some now? I have. So I have, you know, I have a space. Um, in previous years, they hadn't done a lot of their own seedlings. So if I think in, in the future, a greenhouse might be on the way if we discover like, yeah, we want to keep starting our own seedlings, um, not buying in starts from other people. Um, so I've been, I've been doing some of that this week, but, but the planning stage was all kind of just <laughs> spreadsheet after spreadsheet. And for me, normally it would have been a lot easier because like I said, you know, I've been farming in the same climate for a long time, five years. And it's really easy to just like knock out numbers on like, I know when this is going to go on the ground, you can't do this, can't do this, blah, blah, blah. Like this was like every crop I picked. I was like, all right. I don't know when this can go on the ground in Tennessee. Like, I don't know when people, I, cause I mean, it's not the end of the world if you're off by a couple of weeks. I mean, it means you're later to market with something. It means that maybe by the time you're bringing red tomatoes, people are sick of them because they've had them for, you know, three weeks already. Um, so there are some little things. It's like, you want to be on time, but, um, so that just posed like a, a new challenge for me, which I, mean, I was I not I feel like this for. is a solvable problem. Isn't there like a website that's like, when can you put things in the ground in Tennessee.com? Um, I mean, there are surprisingly, there's nothing as concrete as that, which would be wonderful. Um, but here's the thing. Those things are always written for home gardeners, which is mm-hmm. you're planting this in your backyard. You're not necessarily going to be covering it with fabric. You're not going to be doing this. You're not going to be doing that. Like, um, there needs to be one for home gardeners and there needs to be one for farmers who have so some ways fo- to kind of extend. Our home gardeners would probably would always be later so they don't risk like freezing yeah. them or something. Yeah. So in Michigan, you know, a home gardener would always like those websites would always say like mid-May is your safe, like no more frost. You know, I can get stuff in the ground safely. Um, but every farm I've been on, I mean, you know, late April, early March, you're putting stuff in the ground. You're you're taking the risk right. on putting things in. You're covering it with fabric. You're, you know, sometimes you lose stuff, sometimes you don't. Um, so it was it was hard. I mean, I did use some resources like that. Like I was I was googling all the time. Um, luckily there were some farmers down here that they had previous relationships with who were super helpful. And I've been, had been texting and asking for information and advice. And, um, you know, I, I have a very loose grasp now kind of on when things will go in the ground. Um, and as I actually see the weather down here and get an idea for like, okay, I mean, right now it's a false sense of security because it was 71 degrees today. Yeah, it was um, 65 here today. It was crazy. It, it was gorgeous. And I was like, all right, it's spring, but I, I, I'm not putting anything in the ground outside in the fields until, um, oh, what is it? Early March, March 15th, I think is my first like rough field date for planting something. Um, and even that might be too early. That might be me biting off more than I can chew and we'll see what's going on at that time. Um, so it's just been like a lot of sitting at a computer and trying to figure that kind of stuff out. Um, welcome and welcome to being a computer worker. (laughs) I mean, I don't, I don't dislike that work because it comes in the winter, which is a time where like, I'm fine, like sitting with a cup of coffee and, and doing some planning. Um, it was just all the unknowns that were kind of bothering right. me. It wasn't, it wasn't as easy as it will be maybe hopefully next right. year when I right. have all my notes from the year before. Um, so that was one thing. The other thing is like, I'm coming into, um, a pre-existing operation. Uh, they have been farming this piece of land for two years. There was a previous farmer. He kind of like did the hard work of like getting this farm started. Like he made these fields, he made the field blocks, you know, he started all this stuff. He bought a lot of the initial infrastructure things. He bought the walk behind tractor. Um, he set up like the, the walk-in cooler, a lot of stuff that like 
I've never done and like still haven't done. And I'm happy it was done before I got here. Like I'm right. sure I could have figured it out, but like, you know, those first two years on a farm are not easy. And so I'm coming in now, you know, as a, now bad baseball analogy, I was going to say as like a closer, but like we're still earlier on than that in the game, but like, you know, um, I think you've, you may have just man? tapped out your baseball <laughs> knowledge right there. Yeah. Um, someone's yelling right now like you're telling me what i should what what type of metaphor i should pull here but um anyway so i'm you know i kind of came here and like took stock of what is already here what what were they doing what were what were his systems you know do they match up with my systems and luckily they're not like they weren't dramatically different he wasn't driving around like a giant tractor tilling with huge implements you know he was doing the style of farming that i want to do um which is part of why they took the job but it's just also been like taking and trying to kind of lean down the farm with and figure out what was here, what isn't here. Um, lots of just like inventories and lists and looking at previous seeds and seeing what we had here and um, really just trying to make the farm feel like, OK, I've got some I personally like Max have some sense of control of like what is here right. um, because I mean, even if it's as little as like. I now know that we have these two hoes and this is where they're hanging. <laughs> like those are just right. kind of things that like it's, you know, in my head I can get a sense of ease now because well, I know yeah, you don't want to show up your first day in the field and be like, where's my hose? That's bad. That's yeah, a bad look. It's a bad look. Um, if you don't know where your hoes are. <laughs> except for me. I'd, I'd be yelling to no it's one. To yourself. Myself, yeah. The chickens maybe. I'd say, hey. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, that was that was a couple of the tasks for the first week. I mean, last week I did almost nothing. It felt like because the snow had just hindered everything. Um, and then we we can talk more. We can talk more about the chickens because it's going to be a saga um, as I become now a chicken farmer, no longer a lamb farmer. Um, you got to get some lambs in there. You got to tell them. You got to con- convince them that lambs are worth the time. She's the thing. They're not worth the time. I don't want to <laughs> convince them of a thing that's not true. They're all pigs, though. We all know pigs Pig- are worth the time. Pigs are on the way. Um, oh, there's really? already there's already talks of there's talks of pigs. Wow. They won't be they will be under influence? my jurisdiction. No, 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 no. Um, they were already thinking of it, and then I I supported it because I I've seen the property now, and I I kind of know like that's a I think it's a good idea personally. Um, but like yeah, they won't be they won't. And be we my all know you're good at tackling pigs and wrestling them when they mm-hmm. get free. Yep, uh, pigs love me. Mm-hmm. Uh, these chickens chickens do not love me. Um. But I guess we can go into that real quick because basically other than that, what I mean, like I'm finally at a point where um, I'm starting seeds. I'm planting inside the hoop house. You know, I direct seeded arugula and some radishes. I'm sitting on my butt waiting for FedEx to deliver my seeds because everything's been delayed because of the snow. I can't – I physically don't have the seeds in my hand to start stuff I need to start right now, which is frustrating, especially when the weather was like as beautiful as it was today. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, yeah, the one other thing they have here is – a herd of like 20 hens for egg production for laying eggs. There's a rooster. Um, and then there's a goose. The goose is named Flossie. Um, Flossie is something else. She is there. I think, I mean, I don't, I think the premise of a goose, <laughs> the premise of a goose, <laughs> <of a> goose. <laughs> the premise of a goose at a at a herd of chickens in a flock of chickens is to be protector and to kind of because they're mean like they are they can be really aggressive. Um, this is not like it's not like a Canada goose. This is like an all white you know goose, um, but they're big, uh, big wingspan. Um, and anyways, as far as protective duties, she was doing a poor job before I got down here. Um, 
Wait, how how so? Hawks took five. Oh God, this over is terrible. Period. I think the uh, goose and the hawk might be working together. Yeah. So I mean, again, the goose maybe is I'm amplifying putting, the effectiveness of the hawk. <laughs> I think maybe I'm actually like maybe I'm maybe this is wrong. Maybe the goose is just aesthetic. Uh, in that case, <laughs> there's some stuff to work out. <laughs> but <laughs> but anyways, so I think her behavioral problems might be stemming from the fact that she's a little upset and maybe she realizes that she was doing a bad, I hope it's just she realizes she was doing a bad job of being protector and now she's gotten mean. When you say and behavioral problems, what kind of behavioral problems can a goose have? You know, you're sitting at home thinking like, yeah, well, look, how bad could it be? Yeah. Uh, Flossie hates, Flossie is not a fan. So it started off with just like, she'd kind of run up to me and, um, you can tell what a what a goose is about to do something to you because they, they like their whole like they do like a head shiver kind of thing uh-huh. and like you like their whole neck and head do this creepy little shiver thing, um and then they start like coming at you and there's a couple ways the That's goose. That's how can I be. start fights generally. Yeah, <laughs> shake your head yeah. and um, so you can they can bite which you know they don't have teeth but they bite hard um it can give you a blood blister it'll hurt a lot. Um, their wings are incredibly powerful and they flap them sometimes like aggressively. And if you get whacked, um, let me tell you, it hurts. Like someone hit you with a baseball bat. Um, so those are like the two, the two big ones. And the rooster can also be aggressive. I feel like I hear legitimate know. fear in your voice when you talk about this goose. <laughs> Listen, it's kind of yesterday. Well, I'll tell, oh yeah, I'll tell one story about yesterday in a second. Um, cause it was traumatic and the, the rooster can also be aggressive, but less often, um, he did. He has attacked some other people on the farm. There's been some cuts and stuff thanks to the rooster. I hadn't had too many problems with him until yesterday. Um, so, anyways, Flossie and I started off fine. She got a little. She was a little mean with me the second she. She doesn't seem to like men in general. Um, and then slowly just got more and more aggressive to the point where she was like biting my shoes, biting you know, biting my boots the whole time I'm in there. But then Maybe one she day just she hates like, boots, not you. Well, that's what I thought. And then she bit my knee really hard. Okay. And maybe so she hates I knees. Like, and I, haven't, I hadn't read the goose literature. And there's, I should have. Oh, is there there's, goose literature? There's goose literature. And Wait, did you say, go home and Google, why is this goose so mean to me? I looked up how to deal with an aggressive goose. <laughs> and the one thing they say is you shouldn't like be aggressive at them. And by that, I mean sometimes you put your boot on the chest of a so goose. you shouldn't and you retaliate just, in kind. Yeah, you shouldn't, you shouldn't stoop to the goose's level <laughs> is what I'm saying. <laughs> and I did, you know. I pushed. I've seen, I saw a lot of people retreating the goose sometimes when she gets aggressive, you know. Everyone, all old-time farmers will tell you, you put that goose in its place. Yeah. And I thought, okay, I'll put that goose in its place. So I gave a little push to the chest and obviously uh, upset her. But if you're wondering what the literature says, what the literature says you should do is – and I think this starts when they're little and you do this is you you get you don't back up or get walk away from them don't let them intimidate you you get kind of like, try to make yourself <laughs> well, big you like, kind of yell at them and try you try and scare them and basically show that you're more dominant if they keep coming you can like whack them on top of the bill of their uh you know of their bill <laughs> try to whack yeah. them but basically good luck with that cuz they're incredibly quick and I wouldn't be trying to whack a bill that's not going to work no. and then third is whacking a bill sounds to, like a great way to get bit it does, right? It sounds like they're wrote by, it was written by the goose. Yeah. <laughs> and the other one you can do is is you can grab them by their neck and kind of just like turn them away from you. Like you don't throw them or anything. You just kind of sure. like turn their head away from you. But again, getting your hand anywhere near their neck sounds like it's going to be really tough. I know their necks are very strong and they can break your grasp. Oh, that would be a real bummer. You break your grasp in the middle of trying to turn this goose away. Yeah, so you, know, uh, you know how close your face has to get to their face to grab their neck? Yeah, it's too close. And, yeah. you know, 
you're not you're not thinking that way when you're in there. You know, you're in the no, you're you get attacked in, by a little dinosaur. You get attacked by and they're they're aggressive. They're mean. They're loud. They're big. Um, so, anyways, things had progressed. We were now no longer friends. Every time I'm in there to collect eggs every day, it's a battle. Um, I'm like, we're like, sometimes she usually wouldn't like chase me, but she'd like, or it wouldn't like sprint at me, but she'd like kind of chase me around the hutch, and I'd be able to like. She'd eventually just like stand on the other side and watch me, and I would like quickly grab a bunch of the eggs, put them in a little like my pockets, or whatever, try and close up, and then like I'd quickly keeping my eyes on her back up and leave, which is probably a hilarious routine to watch somebody do. <laughs> and then yesterday. I, yeah, I, I will admit that's when I think of farmers collecting eggs, I don't picture them backing away slowly uh, with their arms full of eggs because they're worried a goose <laughs> is going to sneak up on them. I know. And here's the thing. That's, yeah, again, it's not what I picture. I thought it'd be way more idyllic to be in there, like picking eggs from the, you know, yeah. the chickens are like happy I'm in there. You know, they're all following me around or whatever. And the chickens are great. They love me. Yeah. Um, chickens are stupid and wonderful. And anyway, so yes. Yeah. And yesterday um, I it had gotten to the point where. If I go near the gate to get into this big run or this outdoor run, that they would all run towards me. Chicken, goose, rooster, they're all over there. And the second I step in, Flossie's on me. You know, I'm instantly in the battle as soon as I step in. And so what I'd taken to doing is kind of like walking around the the outdoor run. And some of the chickens would follow me. But if, uh, if I was far enough away from Flossie, I'd hop the fence. So now I've hopped the fence. Now I'm in. <laughs> I'm away from her to start with. And that worked for a couple of days. And then yesterday I hop in. And she was sidetracked, sidetracked, then she saw me, and something clicked, and she decided that, like, today wasn't a day for, like, walking towards me slowly. It was a full-on sprint. So she came <laughs> running at me, and I was like, oh, my God. I can't imagine you reacting well to that. No, my heart rate monitor on my Apple Watch was up to, like, 130. And I'm – I what I start doing is run, I run a circle around the little hutch in the middle where they lay all their eggs and everything. And she's chasing me, right? And she were running circles around me. And I realized like, she's not giving up. I thought, man, she's going to give up. And it would have been fine. I think I could have figured it out if it was just her. Then the rooster was like, Oh, we're chasing this guy. Like this must, this must be an intruder. Like I normally he's cool, but I guess tonight I'm going to do something about it. And the rooster's terrifying because the, they have huge talons. Like they're, you know, they're, they have these giant looking talons. They're big. They get tall. They can bite really hard. And he came running at me. And so I full on like kicked him in the chest to keep him away from me. And he's mad at me now. So now I'm like, okay, I just got to get out of here because this did not work yet. It's two against one. They're coming at me from both directions. And I can't kill one of these animals accidentally because I'm trying to defend myself. That's not a good look. It's my third week. (laughs) Yeah, there's a good chance that they love those animals more, like far more than you at this point. You're just some guy. That's Flossie and Mr. Rooster. Yeah. And I think the rooster doesn't have a lot of love necessarily because he did attack one of their children. Okay. Um, but is supposed to be, yeah, supposed to be the angel. <laughs> and anyway, so now they're like both mad at me. And so I back up to the gate and the gate's locked from the outside. Not locked, but just closed. And so I'm reaching over while trying to like keep an eye on Flossie at this rooster. And so I turn around to look over the gate to try and unlock it for a second. And I look over my shoulder and the rooster comes at me with my back turned. So again, I turn around and I kick him again pretty hard and he like kind of runs like goes away from me and i like have to abandon the gate and i jump the fence again and now i'm just like standing outside staring in like breathing breathing really hard i like was sprinting around the hoop or around the hutch for like a minute i ran to the gate couldn't get the gate open kicked a rooster twice and then hopped the fence is there any chance your employer saw that just despicable display of farming well, here's the thing. I was brought in to do vegetables, and they know that. That was on my resume. They said that. 
Uh, and I wasn't I wasn't supposed to be dealing with chickens. Um, they said, you know, are you okay going in there to collect some eggs? I said, yeah, I'll, cl- I'll collect some eggs. I never said I'd fight a rooster. I never said I'd deal with a mean goose. Anyways, across the street, the neighbor uh, who I've met many times, she was dealing with the chickens before I got there. Um, she she ran outside and said, "You want a hand? Like I just saw you sprinting around, and like my my son or my my son, he said he saw you hop the fence, and like I do need a hand." And so we tag teamed, and you, we've I learned a new method. There's a new method for dealing with all this, which is you grab the the lid off their food bin, which is a trash can. You grab the trash can lid, you wield it like a shield. Now you're <laughs> now you're armored. A little bit. Um, this is this is effective. This is for Flossie because the rooster, again, mostly chill. I think right. it was the sprint. They don't like quick movement. And me running, not good because I'm quick. And anyways, the move is you grab you grab the lid of the trash can. You back Flossie up like a riot, like riot police basically. Keep pushing her back up into the hutch and then you close the door and lock it. So now she's <laughs> stuck inside the hutch. But here, here's the trick. What is also in that hutch? The eggs. All the eggs you try to collect. <laughs> so now you play like a reverse whack-a-mole game, which is I try to reach into the little like milk crates that where they lay the eggs and grab these eggs, and then she tries to bite my hand. I feel like that. I don't and, know if you've really improved the situation. You've just changed the the nature of the danger. It, it, I know. Well, yeah, that's oh, that's a, I like that the nature of the danger. Anyways, <laughs> I. It works out usually that she's so upset about being in there and she's like just standing near the front door of it trying to – and the eggs are at the back and she's like just making a huge scene. So usually I can grab the eggs without her really like even noticing I'm back there. Um, but so that's kind so of So then do you unlock the hutch and kind of slowly back away with your shield? Yes. Luckily she doesn't usually come out like sprinting. She just comes out <laughs> mad and definitely walking towards me. But yeah, I'll collect the eggs, put them in my pockets or whatever, unlock the, the door and then back up really fast. Put the lid back on the food and get out of there. And if I just do that every be, day. If there's going to be kind of a, you know, there's going to be various various storylines in in this mm-hmm. season of uh, of the podcast. You know, last year we had the lambs like, and the pigs and whatnot. <laughs> what was that? So unless I kill this goose accidentally. <laughs> <laughs> well, right. I was saying, and I want one of the storylines to be by the end of this season. I want you and the goose to be best friends. Can you make, make that up? happen? I could try. I mean, like, I'm, you know, but I think we've just we've started on so many wrong feet. Um, <laughs> Have you ever played the Untitled Goose game? <laughs> I watched a lot of footage of it. I wouldn't recommend it at this point. It might be too traumatic for you. It's meant to be like a family fun game. You know, Emily and I play it together, but it might be the equivalent of like Resident Evil for you. Yeah, I don't think I will. Although yeah, I you get to play like as the goose, so it might actually be therapeutic. Oh, that'd be good, actually. Um <laughs> But doesn't the, yeah, the goose like chases the farmer, right? Yeah, it chases the farmer yeah. around and like steals his See? hat and stuff. I don't know if I can do that. So, anyways, as it stands, that's my process for collecting the eggs every day. It's not great. Tomorrow's a new day. I am moving. So their little hutch thing is um, on wheels, with the idea that you can move it around the farm, like the one we had at home. To have, yeah, but like way lighter. <laughs> okay. The one at home was like a pain to move. This one's pretty easy to move. Um, with the idea being that you move them around the farm to, you know, they kind of like will eat, eat down the grass. Though they love to eat all the scraps from previous plantings, things like that. They're pooping, which is great for your soil, things like that. Pooping so tomorrow, great. I have <laughs> an area fenced in for them out in the farm. I'm gonna move their hutch in the morning with all of them in it, and I'm gonna put it out there. And for two days, I'm going to let them just run wild on this piece of farm. I'm hoping that when Flossie's in this wide open space is enjoying it more, she'll care about me less. Um, but the maybe other solution. Even, maybe she'll even learn to love you. 
won't even learn to love me. I mean, don't you um, feed her? Do you, are you the one bringing I her food? I bring her food. I was filling up her kiddie pool so that she could play in it because <laughs> um, they like to have a kiddie pool. Used to. I was doing all. I mean, when it was when it was thirty-two degrees outside and there was a frozen ice layer on top of her kiddie pool. You went out. I went out that there. ice, didn't you? I broke all the ice. And then it was so thick one day that I was like, oh, man, she can't really, like, get in this and float. I removed all of these heavy ice chunks and then took – and the hoses were all frozen, but the hydrant was uh, frost-free. So I filled a bunch of five-gallon buckets and filled her pool back up in, like, 30 uh, – freezing temperatures. And there she was, like, floating around in it, having a great old time. And I did that. <laughs> and I don't think she even watched to notice who did it. I don't know. I, I think it's, she knows and she doesn't care. That's that the vibe I'm getting from Flossie. It would be indifference. Yeah, or maybe it's not even a difference. It's more it's more aggressive than that. Yeah, it's the opposite uh, of indifference. It's it's different. It, it it's it's <laughs> I don't even know. Keep going. Yeah, um, we I don't know. We probably don't have the time. We, like no. we can go on cow stuff in the future. Yeah, we'll uh, save the cow stuff. I, I, I said sad cow thing, but we'll talk about it. It's actually still too soon to probably talk about the sad thing because yeah. um, people are pretty upset about it. Um, just important nature, man. Nature has its own its own its own plans. Floss, Flossy and, got uh, the got the cow. <laughs> Gosh, that yeah, happen? that'd be something. I think Flossie might be capable. Um, I don't, maybe Flossie should be out in with the cows. Maybe you know, like you put a, you put a mule out there to keep away the coyotes. You put a yeah. put a goose out there or a goose keep away. Me, you. that's for yeah, sure. keep you away <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I won't be near those cows. Um, <laughs> All right, so that's that's where things stand currently. I feel, I feel like I have a much better sense now of uh, your day to day. Yeah, it's mostly dealing with a goose. <laughs> mostly <laughs> goose dealing. Uh, tell me about some VR, Sam. Why do you? Why are you doing VR stuff? <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess we can do this quick. We're kind of at the end here. Well, every as we've talked about before, every four months, every trimester, the Ready does a retreat. Uh, traditionally, these have been opportunities for us to bring everybody together into a location. Um, we've had them at various places. Originally, for the first couple of years, they were always in New York, New York City, and then we had a couple upstate. In New York, and then as we've fully adopted this distributed work style, we've had other locations. We did one in Santa Cruz. We have done one in New Orleans and Charleston. Um, needless to say, in this pandemic world, we're not traveling uh, and spending time together. So the last few we have done virtually, which is fine, but it's not really kind of the same vibe. Uh, generally, retreats involve... A, a good chunk of work, like three or four days of doing a bunch of internal kind of strategy and initiative development, uh, but also plenty of time for like, we usually do something fun. Um, we'll usually get a couple of really nice dinners while we're wherever we are. Um, we just haven't had that in VR. Uh, so this time, our retreat planners um, bought everybody in the company an Oculus uh, Quest 2, uh, which is the VR, the standalone VR headset. And we haven't, it's not like we've been spending the whole time in VR, but basically we have been doing our kind of check-in and, and closing rounds each day in VR together uh, <laughs> in this app called Spatial, which is basically just like, we're like sitting in a big auditorium uh, together question, and uh, it's pretty crazy. Um, you like create an avatar of like your actual photo. I look okay, like a yeah. horror uh, I look just, I look like a freak of nature. Uh, VR is... About, oh, wait, in the VR? You in the like, VR, oh, yeah. Okay, just okay, like the way like yeah. it took my picture and like draped it over a 3D thing. I guess I look... We all look terrible. 
Uh, some of some of my colleagues look fine. Some of us don't. <laughs> VR, you know, it's kind of it's like very good in some ways, and in other ways, you can see that it's still very much kind of a young technology. But uh, in this in this VR auditorium, you've got people's arms going the wrong direction, looking like exorcist <laughs> monsters. Uh, but it does have like spatial audio, so like if you go stand next to someone, you can like hear them talking more, and as you move further away. That's- uh, so like we, it was a really cool like, thing today where we all were just gathering twenty of us in this auditorium and kind of like walking around and like talking to each other. Um, you can like hear side conversations happening, and because it's VR, you can do things like create three D objects in the space that you can like float around and like hand to each other. Um, I was uh, holding two uh, cups of coffee and like acting like I was drinking those. Yesterday, I had a pipe uh, that I was holding in my hand and looking very sophisticated. Um, and then in the off times, we have been playing games together. So been playing a lot of Top Golf, which nice. is fun because Will and I, uh, my colleague, we would when we would travel, something we don't do anymore, but when we would travel for this client work. Um, down to Florida, there was always a Top Golf near where we would stay. So we would do like real Top Golf when we would go down pretty like mm-hmm. monthly, basically to do workshops and stuff. So it's been fun to kind of recreate that. And then within the Top Golf game, in addition to just having like the Top Golf experience, which is fun. And man, do I hit the ball better in, t- in virtual <laughs> Top Golf than I do in real life? Um, oh, you don't say. <laughs> yeah, they have a uh, really fun like putt putt. Um, version of the game to play and have played a couple of rounds of that with uh, you can play with up to four people together and you know you're all talking to each other and it's like recreated an aspect of the retreat that we haven't had now in about a year of just kind of like hanging out together and doing stuff because being on a zoom call together is not the same thing as like even being in simulated space uh together and it's been cool i was very skeptical at first but um it's been it's been a lot of fun that's cool. It's kind of like the, I mean, like, I think five years ago with VR, people would have said, like, that's kind of the thing that people always see it maybe eventually getting to, you know, this kind yeah. of idea where you could be in a space with other people and have it fill that kind of role. Yeah. It's cool to hear that it actually does. I mean, I'm sure it feels weird at times, too, but to know that it actually can be that, like, it can fill that void a little bit. Yeah. Um, I mean, it would be total, total nightmare to run, like, a workshop with, like, a room full of 20, like, clients. But now that I have seen this, I can see... I have a better sense like five, ten years from now, that being like an actual thing that is possible, mm-hmm. which is cool. Um, and it's sweet. been fun to like play play with that uh, a little bit. Yeah, and now you have an Oculus Rift. That's sweet. Not I mean, like you already that. had one, I guess, right? But- I had the, yeah, I had the first one. Um, yeah. But I um, just sent that to Joey uh, today, and I have the new one, which is like, it seems to be almost exactly the same visually. It's just a little bit lighter and smaller now. Yeah. Did uh, you have any other like favorite games that are outside of the stuff you've done for the workshop or anything else you've done? Yeah, what have I played? Uh, played definitely played some Beat Saber. Great Get game. My dance on. It's a lot of fun. Have you played it? Uh, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. you say. I mean, it's hard to say get your dance on, but like get your move oh, on. I, I guess. Groove. Kinda... I, I groove hard with that game. <laughs> it's, a, it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a rhythm a rhythm game yeah. involving lightsabers basically. Uh, that, uh, I haven't played recently, but when I first got my, my first Oculus, I played the climb, uh, a decent amount, which legitimately makes my hand sweat because it, my brain thinks that I am climbing a mountain and it gets nervous uh, about it. It's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. And when you fall it like my like stomach would like jump into my mouth. It's crazy. I heard, I mean, yeah, a lot of people say that 
they can get pretty motion sick playing a lot of yeah, VR. Yeah, luckily I don't seem to get motion sick from VR. I'm very thankful for that. So it's been fun to just not have to worry about that. I feel like there's other things I've played. Oh, I played a game called Super Hot VR. Um, it's kind oh of yeah, like a, I've heard. Yeah, it's like a sort of like a shooter, um, but has some other elements to it. And uh, yeah, it's been uh, it's been fun. I honestly I hadn't really been my Oculus mostly just sits on its stand, and I hadn't really played it. Like I've had it for over. I think I bought it for my birthday last year, actually. Um, so I've had it for over a year and haven't played it that much. But this week of like actually playing multiplayer games with other people. Has re has made me much more interested in the potential of VR going forward, and actually just like getting to spend time with my friends in a in a not real space, but it starts to feel a little bit more like a a real thing, and not just sitting in front of our computer, which we do enough of. Yeah, yeah. Well, sweet. I guess eventually I'll have to get one. I'll become the way the brothers all uh, play something. It would be fun, it, man. It would be fun to do stuff uh together all all five of us in in vr doing stuff at least until we can reinstantiate our uh, brother's trip so yeah and who knows you know maybe that's the future of this podcast is everyone puts on vr headsets and they feel like they're just sitting in a room as yeah you only if of... we get to watch like as as you tell the story about the about flossy we get to watch <laughs> like, like, like live feed. video of it <laughs> like how have you not taken video of this yet how have i not seen this because i'm traumatized strap I'm a trying gopro to, get a... to yourself my man i don't Do own a gopro the... dead well you need one. <laughs> I do. You're right. I mean, if you want to, someone wants to send me a GoPro, I'll wear one. When, but hopefully, Flossie will get better. But yeah, I mean, there should if be this, some cameras if somewhere. This podcast buys you a GoPro. You must wear it every time <laughs> you go interact with Flossie. You're gonna be like a police officer in a in a body cam. You have to keep it on when you're dealing with Flossie. We want to see it. Honestly, that's gonna be good so that I can tell them later. I can show the owners the footage of what she's doing. Why to you me. had to murder I, the goose? <laughs> I try and tell them, and they and they actually they've they've seen a little bit in person. They okay, they understand because okay. Flossie's mean good. mean to everybody. It's not just uh, like okay. when I, when they're around like Flossie's super cool. It's not like they're just, like, hanging out with she's Flossie. She's not like, trying to gaslight them and you. Yeah, she's <laughs> exactly. She no, she's pretty consistent with her behavior, um, which is one thing I can say for her. I guess that's a pro. <laughs> yeah, you know you get so with good her. for her. All right, dude. Well, I think we're done. I think we're done. All right, cool. Well, uh, good luck with Flossie uh, tomorrow, and uh, talk to you again in a week. Thanks, man. Talk to you soon. Yep.